Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, we're going to talk about emotional driving. A few months ago, I was in a heightened state of suicidal ideation. It, it was extremely intense. I was in a huge argument and so stressed. It was late at night, just not the best of situations and just stressed from other things. I get in my car, start driving, and I'm not calming down. I pull over at a gas station. I call 988 and still not calming down. Like I, I remember sitting in my car like, being terrified because the conversation with the 988 person was not soothing, calming me down at all. As a matter of fact, I kind of felt more agitated, which, you know, if you've been following me, you, you know that I've called three times, and the first two times were wonderful experiences um, and very effective. And then this last time, I was like, I'm in trouble. Um, and I look back on that experience because it, it really took me a while to calm down. I drove around a little more. Um, I, I did eventually through the 988, um, you know, uh, the, the, the amount, the intensity was reduced, but it was still there. It wasn't like previously before where we got me back to a zero. I told the lady I was a zero, but I was... Um, I was still highly agitated. And looking back at that experience, I, I realized the mistake that I made was getting in my car, right? Driving is this tale of two cities, right? On one hand, getting in your car, going on a road trip from one coast to the other can be very relaxing, soothing, fun, exciting and on the other hand getting in your car sitting in traffic or being upset can lead to road rage and accidents and uh, wanting to self-harm or harm others and and really driving in your car the effects of it depends on the your state at least from my experience before you get in the car. So dr what I've learned from that is driving isn't in and of itself relaxing and soothing. It's I almost have to be in a, it only, it amplifies the state that I'm in before I get into the car, right? Um, and I was in an agitated state. I was stressed. I was, I was uh, anxious, uh, fear-based. I, I was... And, you know, when you look at the stats, that is impaired driving. Emotional driving is impaired driving. Distraction is the number one cause of collisions, right? And stress and fatigue are major sources of distractions. As a matter of fact, we're 10 times more likely to crash when visibly upset, whether you're angry, agitated, sad, or crying. And I've been in a car with 
people who have been either under the influence of something or emotionally upset and was fearful for my life in those situations. There, there was even a time where, uh, you know, I was excited. My, my favorite song came on. I was so excited it was on. It had some of my friends in the car, and we were singing a song, and then I blew right through a stop sign. Luckily, there wasn't a car coming. I didn't hit anyone, but I could have. So when we think about emotional driving, it's not just the anger, agitation, sad, or crying that can be detrimental, but even excitement. You get a phone call that you're getting a pay raise, et cetera, et cetera. And I've talked about this before in a previous podcast, the emotional driving, but this is the first time I'm linking it to that story. Um, and, and I think that I got in a car because I, like most of us, associate driving with um, you know, separating ourselves from a stressor, right? It's, it's like once I'm behind the wheel, whatever is bothering me outside the car no longer exists, and um, I'm free and I'm safe and I can't be touched. And there's also like a sense of control when we're in a car of like, now I'm in control. Um, I can dictate the pace from here on out. Um, and so, you know, those two things, I, on a subconscious level, I'm thinking, this is going to calm me down. This would be good. The car is moving. I'll be able to take in some scenic routes. Um, it was late at night. There won't be traffic, so there won't be that start and stop. Maybe I can play some music. I can clear my mind. Like that is what is propelling me to, or propelled me to get into the car. And then once I got into the car, I had the exact opposite experience uh, to my dismay, which I think scared me more. It's like when you reach for your tool, your coping tool or coping mechanism to calm down, um, and that doesn't work, and then you reach for the, another one. You know, first it was the, I was like, let me get out the house, did that, let me get in the car, did that, let me call 988, did that, and I'm like, I'm not calming down. This is, uh, now, I'm, now I'm scared, actually. I remember just really being terrified that nothing was, um, nothing seemed to be calming me down. Um, so when I look at that, I go, okay, now I know that getting in the car is not the way to, cannot be part of my safety plan, cannot be part of w- uh, what I do when I'm in that heightened, agitated state. So what can I do? What could I have done? And, and I bring this up because when we look at even road rage, a lot of the times it's between, what, five and seven. People are coming off of work. They're agitated. They're stressed. They're anxious. They want to get home. They want to beat traffic. Nobody really wants to be on the road between five and seven. But we get in our car anyway, right? And, and then there are accidents or we end up uh, pulling over and going to a bar. We, like we just make bad decisions, typically when we get in a car in that heightened state. So what can we do um, to replace that, right? So it's about being aware, one, being aware of our state before we get into our car. Be, a, be aware. Am I upset? Am I trying to get away from something? Am I trying to avoid something 
or am I excited about going to something, right? Um, that, that makes a difference. Am I excited about going home? Am I looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing my family or dinner or hanging out and relaxing? Um, or am I, am I getting in my car to get away? Now, I will say, in the event where you, you feel like your life is being threatened, right, someone is physically trying to attack or assault you, then, you know, jumping in your car and driving away seems like I think would be the best response to that. So, you know, that's a, that's a different thing, and, and that was not the case, fortunately, in my situation. So how do we calm ourselves down? One, breath work. And, I, and I, some of these things, you're like, I've heard this before, but we forget this. And we forget to get ourselves to neutral. Here's the idea. Get ourselves to neutral before we get in the car. Get yourself to as close to neutral. Don't, I mean, I know we want to beat traffic. I know we want to be home in time for such and such. But whatever that show is you're trying to get home for, that's streaming. You can record that and, and play it back. Um, nothing is more important than you safely getting home, right? Than you getting home without being in an accident or causing an accident. So when we're leaving work or any time before we're going to get into our car, make sure we, we're feeling a bit neutral. We're not heightened. We're not like, oh, wait till I get home kind of mode. So connect to our breath. And we can do that very quickly, right? We just breathe in, hold for five, and then exhale for five. Breathe in, hold for five, exhale for five. And, and, and any type, you know, if you go on the internet, there's all types of breathing exercises. The, 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 the four, three, uh, three, four, seven, the five, 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 the four by four, the HRV breathing, any of them work. The point is, is to be aware of your breathing. Am I breathing deeply? Am I breathing shallowly? Am I even uh, aware? Do I even feel like I'm breathing? Am I hyperventilating? Like, where is my breath before I get into the car? And for me, when I, when I inhale, I try to inhale from my toes. Like, I try to bring it in from the peripherals, from the fingertips to my toes to the, in, into my center mass. You feel that you can you can almost like feel like a tingling in your toes and in your fingertips when you focus on that. So you know, in when I when I'm inhaling and I can feel that, then I know I'm breathing deeply and I'm connected to breath. The other thing we can do is make sure we take little micro breaks, little just and these don't have to be you know people always took smoke breaks. And, and there's something to that, but, you know, instead of taking a smoke break, you know, just take a few minutes off from work. Take a, a minute break from work. And, and for those of you who are like, man, I can't even get a break. When we take a break, first of all, when we take a break, I see people um, at this grocery store I go to, they're outside and they're checking their phone. That's not really taking a break. 
taking a break means taking a break from everything, from the work you're doing, from your cell phone, from it, it means like just letting go and being in the moment. Being on your phone and scrolling, that's a whole other job. That's a whole other stressor, especially when you think about all the news that can be thrown at you, all the stimulation that can be thrown at you, the the despair and compare. You, I mean, you could, you know, take be taking a break from work, get on your phone, see your friends are balling out in Bali, and now you feel ten times worse about your life. Um, you know, working cashier at a the uh, gas station, right? So. When you take a break at work, take a break. Nothing. Zoom out. See the clouds. Walk around. Uh, talk to people or don't talk to people. Maybe even go um, read a book. But, but definitely change the setting. Get out the building if you can. I, I, I know a lot of times people take a break in the building. When I used to work at Home Depot, we would take our break in the break room. Don't take a break in the break room. It's tiny. There are no, usually no windows in there. It's depressing. People are complaining about their jobs. Get outside if you can, if you can, okay? Now, for, for some of us who can't leave the office, who can't leave the workspace, how do you take a mental break? Um, this comes from Dr. Andrew Huberman. He says, to stare at something for anywhere from 30 seconds to 90 seconds. Stare at one thing at a distance. It could be a pen, a painting, anything, but lock your eyes in. Don't let it be your cell phone because the light that emanates, that creates a whole other uh, issue. It can be any. It could be a teddy bear. It could be a pen, a cup. Just stare at it. It could be a tree outside. Stare at anything for 30 seconds to 90 seconds, and that will help to reset your nervous system, okay? So we have breath work, we have taking a break, uh, listening to calming music. Weightlessness by Marconi Union has been found to reduce anxiety, right? Now, once again, these are things to do before we get into the car. A lot of us like to listen to music in the car. I'm suggesting... We listen to Weightlessness by Marconi Union. It's shown to reduce anxiety. It's a beautiful song. I love it. When I hear it, um, there's just something about the, the, the hurts or I don't know. I don't, I'm not a nerd like that. But there's something about the song that there's a reason why it has 21 million uh, views on YouTube. It's a beautiful thing. The other thing that I found to be calming for me is listening to Alan Watts. A-L-A-N Watts, W-A-T-T-S. He has a bunch of these short YouTube videos. He's, he's uh, passed away long ago, um, but he has a very soothing voice. It's very calming. It's, and he has a way of speaking about the world that is beautiful and wonderful, and I know a lot of people who listen to him to help calm themselves, especially a lot of men uh, listen to Alan Watts. He kind of has this soothing father for father figure voice. He's kind of like 
the the Jordan Peterson of his time, if you know who that is. All right. So listening to Alan Watts, he has this uh, one talk about not taking life too seriously. And what I love about it is um, they're very short. They're about uh, the talks have been all all his speeches have been cut up into like five minute, ten minute uh, increments, and uh, and there's like this beautiful soothing music behind it. it. Yeah, you'll you'll love it. So listening to Alan Watts, right? Um, also before you get in your car to kind of bring yourself back to neutral, call and talk to someone. That's what I should have done instead of getting in the car. I should have called nine eight eight. And then walked around. But the reason I didn't, because it was late at night. I'm in like this suburban kind of neighborhood and voices carry. And so I, you know, I, I didn't want the neighbors cutting on their lights. What's going on out there? And, you know, and I was in this uh, state of distress. So, uh, but, you know, if you're not in that situation, call and talk to someone. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to necessarily talk about what you're going through. You can just say, hey. I'm just calling. I just need somebody to be on the other end of the line. Just can you can you just not hang up, right? I was we're watching the show. Who is Aaron Carter? I'm not giving anything away, but there's a scene where uh, she's on a phone with someone and she's like, uh, "I don't know what to say, but just don't hang up." And I and I like almost tears came to my eyes because I was like, "Oh, that's what I, that's a way to say that, right?" Where. It's just like, just just be here with me. You don't need to know what's happening. I don't have the words really for what's happening, but but I need I just need some to know that somebody is there listening and with me. The other thing that we can do uh, before we get in a car and in a, a emotional drive is to sing. Uh, research has shown this is come this comes from Dr. Andrew Huberman again from his podcast that. Um, playing a happy song and listening to it or music for nine minutes gets us into a happy state. So like when you're, when you're walking from your office to your car, maybe that's nine minutes. I don't know, but to play your happy music on your way to the car, not when you're in your car, that'll give you a little pep, a little step. And then when you're in your car, you're kind of singing that, um, on repeat in your head, right? And so they found that nine minutes of listening to happy music is enough to, uh, you know, get you happy, have you clicking your heels. And with that chanting, nam I mean, that's what I chant, nam um, But you can find whatever chant, and, and even going back to music, listening to your favorite song that'll make you happy, you know, just one of those songs that, you know, has a nice little hook or anthem, you know, for all those Beyonce, all oh, the single that is like whatever, whatever you can sing. Um, I think that's why we like, you know, I'm from Chicago, the Bulls. We will, we will rock you, rock you, you know, that like whatever um, that you can just kind of keep repeating over and over. There's something very calming about that. So we don't need to listen to music for a long time for it to have an impact. Um, and then the other thing that we can do to kind of get us back to neutrality is, now notice I'm saying get us to neutral. I'm not talking about feeling better. I'm talking about getting to neutral because when we're agitated, upset, frustrated, sad, um, uh, and feeling it like 
we are we are operating below our our normal frequency and we're just trying to get back to neutral to to be thinking about being positive and and joyful and and full of glee like all that stuff that that's that feels like too much at this point we're just trying to get to neutral right and so the other thing we can do is just sit in the emotions just just watch them you know like you're a video camera just to kind of be like wow this is wild how much my body is feels intense and tight and the tingling and and how my head feels and my peripheral vision just kind of notice it and wonder uh, instead of being afraid of it it's kind of like that 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 tidal wave like when you watch a a, a movie and the city's about to be hit with a tsunami. And there's always, uh, you know, most people run, but there's a few who just stop and look at, like, they marvel at it. So to kind of marvel at, at you know, how your body is responding, at what it's going through, the, the amount of cortisol coursing through your veins and the adrenaline and the, the fight-flight-freeze response and all that activity in your amygdala, you know, there's something... Um, magical about it right because you're not always like this you're not you don't always feel like this so that's what and it's like wow just like wow this just came out of it feels like it came out of nowhere like this is wild what my body is doing right now how my how my physiology is responding to life so there's just there's something magical and and beautiful if we can take the time to uh, watch it. The other thing is reduce stimuli. So a lot of times when we're angry, upset, frustrated, um, anxious, w- what are we doing? We're reaching for like food, drugs, alcohol, sex. That's too much stimuli. I remember when I was having an allergic reaction, right? And I, I was having trouble breathing. I, this a doctor prescribed me a new medication. Um, and I had an allergic reaction because I never had the medication before. So nobody knew I was allergic to it and I had to pull over, call the ambulance. And, um, and I remember when I called 911, they said, don't, don't even drink anything. They're like, don't drink. They're like, don't drink anything. Just breathe. The ambulance will be there. And obviously they got there. I'm still here. Shout out to the EMTs and the medical professionals out there. But, um, I, I think about my suicidal states as, as a reaction where, all right, no stimuli. Cut the, you know, if I can cut the lights off, sound, no uh, food, water, drink, um, try to reduce the stimuli as much as possible versus, you know, going to a bar or, um, you know, just making some rash, putting myself in some, um, harmful environment that um, is only going to increase the stimuli, which thereby increases the um, the intensity of my emotions. The other thing I r- look back and w- would have done to help me calm is to run a bath. I know it sounds wild. Now, notice I'm not saying take a bath. Taking a bath would definitely be part of uh, the second part of running the bath. But there's something I, at least for myself, I find very calming and soothing about running bathwater. There, it's it's like okay, there's something happening. 
there's something running. Um, what can I do to in the meantime? And then there's this idea of like, all right, how do I prepare? I got the bath running. I got now. I got to prepare for the bath. Now I'm thinking more about the bath. I see. I hadn't even thought about this until now. Now I'm thinking more about the bath than I'm thinking about my internal state. And I'm also thinking about how relaxing and soothing the bath is going to be. Because when I take a bath, I'm putting in Epsom salt, right? I gotta, now I got to grab that. Oh, okay, now I got to cut on my salt lamps, right? We got to set the mood. I, or now I got to put on my playlist, right? I got my Bose speaker in there. We're cutting that on. For, you know, or are we going to listen to spa music or, uh, you know, uh, um, what's his name? Chopin. Right? He has this chill Chopin station. Like, what are we going to listen to? So now I'm thinking about setting the stage for this relaxing, soothing, calming experience versus uh, thinking about what I'm going through. And and part of why, why I didn't do that was it was so late at night. And then the, the last thing is to just start rearranging things, right? Because when we are really agitated and frustrated, a thing that can be uh, calming and soothing is to rearrange stuff. And so like I have, fortunately I have a mountain of books and uh, when I feel a bit stressed, agitated, or just need to like clear my mind or get the cobwebs off, I'll just rearrange the books and I'll just rearrange them in different orders. I might put them in alphabetical order. I might put them in order by color or by topic, uh, by genre. So I, I'm constantly moving and rearranging the books. And also it helps me to reconnect with the books that I have because I think half the books I have I haven't read um, and and other half, obviously, I have read, but it, it reminds me of the books that I've read and the books that I want to read, and and then all of a sudden I find myself thinking about my challenges through the lens of the characters in the books or the storylines in the book, or or you know, like I'll grab a book and be like, oh yeah, I remember such and such was going through this, and this is how they handled that. So it it, it helps to trigger pleasant memories of how other people have navigated through what I've been through. I hope this has been helpful to help you navigate through your emotions. The, the key takeaway here is um, we have to be mindful of emotional driving, whether it's coming from work, going to work, um, and, and just being aware of our state of mind. Driving in itself is not uh, agitating or soothing. It's really about how are we going into it. So to be aware of that and to kind of ground yourself before we even get into a vehicle. Remember, that's a, a, a I don't know, how much a car weighs, 3,000 pounds. Um, so we want to make sure we're in the right frame of mind. I really appreciate you joining us, uh, rating it five stars. Please take seven seconds to share it with one other friend, just one other friend who you think might value from this. It's so that you too can have communication and then build community and build connection. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the 988 or any of the 800 numbers. You can chat, talk, text. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.